Bill, do you know what event was part of the Olympic Games from 1900 to 1920 and never since then? Was it a did they have like a poetry Olympics or something <laughs> like this? I don't know. I'm wondering if I'm missing it. <laughs> Good try. Okay. It, it was tug of war. Tug of war. <laughs> that's a that's not an easy thing. I've been in a few good tug of wars, and the, the key is the guy tied at the anchor, or yeah. the gal guy or gal tied at the yeah. anchor. Yeah, and uh, I actually when I saw that because I was just looking up, we're going to talk about war today, people. Yeah, gotta yeah have to give a warning, a but sort of a yeah. I I was looking up war idioms, and of course tug of war was jumped out at at me, and so I was looking that up. And I also found there's some real tragedies associated with tug of war. Is there? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of sprained backs and you know dislocated <laughs> ankles. And it, it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have anything to do with the the poetry okay. games that you were mentioned. Even though we are a poetry yeah. podcast here at <laughs> Wacky Poem Life, indeed one of uh, one of a handful. But tug of wars, yes. In 1978, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. A middle school was trying to do a Guinness Book of Records with tug of war, and six children and <laughs> six children lost fingers or thumbs. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. How tragic is that? I'm not laughing at their fingers and thumbs being amputated, but here we go. That is serious business. They must have been in, in knots or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know. I always, I used to think about that when we were doing tug of war. Yeah, you know, getting get my fingers stuck in the rope. Oh, rope burn. Yeah, and yeah. Ni- in 1997 in Taiwan, they were doing an official event with foreign dignitaries, and two of the people in the tug of war had their arms severed below the shoulder. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This is really violent. It is. You know, were they were they like attached to the rope? This is just, I don't know. how does this happen? And the last one I read about was at a, a lunchtime high school activity in 2013 in El Monte, California. And there were nine fingers amputated. Well, you know, war is brutal. And so is it tug is, of war. And so is tug of war. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to participate in that anymore. I, I need every, I need every appendage I have. <laughs> Let me tell I you. do too. I, 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 need, I need them. I never liked tug of war. We used to do that. It's kind of like Red Rover, you know, when you had to break through. I never liked that one It, it seemed to never be decided fairly. There was no. always one team that had more no, of the heavier, stronger guys. Yeah, brutal too. You've seen people flying, yeah. you know. Welcome, everybody, to and Wacky welcome. Poem Life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Episode 80. Oh, my gosh. We're, is that, are we octogenarian? Is that <laughs> it? Entering our octogenarian age? We are. Or I'd like to think of it as uh, 1980, the year I graduated Ooh, high school. Oh, that's a good year. That was a good was year. A good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a very good year. We here at the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry, we come to you every week talking about a poem, usually one that someone has left in the museum. Or just some topic about poetry that we think would be of interest to you and that we certainly find interesting. And this is more of a conglomeration of poems that have been left here. So this is even more of a... Yes, you know, we're talking about a conglomeration Conglomeration, today. that's that's a big word. Yeah, conglomerate right. rock. Conglomerate. That was my favorite kind of rock when I was young. Did you have a favorite rock? Conglomerate, is that like a composition rock of many different things? Yes, it things? had different types of uh, materials I and sediments. Like, I have seen some of those with... Fossils and granite yeah, and yeah. yeah. So we have an exhibit in the museum. This is if you're listening to us for the first time for whatever reason, welcome. Mm-hmm. But we do have an actual brick and mortar museum here in Locust Grove, little town in northeastern Oklahoma, and we have an exhibit that's been in here since last year called Fifteen Tip, Fifteen Themes in Poetry. 
And they're just basic themes like death mm-hmm. and memory, love, and memory. love mm-hmm. uh, nature, racism, identity. And there's one on war. Mm-hmm. And I've just avoided talking about it because, you know, You're, it's war. It's war. It's yeah. not the most pleasant thing. No. Yeah. But we do have a variety of little uh, poetic uh, nuggets and poems Indeed. and just just Indeed. messages that mm-hmm. have been left at uh, at the war uh, area in this theme. Yes. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and some what of I, those. Right. And what I like about some of these as I've read through them is they have some of them seem to want to be communicated to us. Yes. And and I feel like that we're doing a service to the people who left some of these because some are quite deep. Yes. And to be able to communicate these and talk about them and ruminate on them mm-hmm. on them does a service to the person who experienced right. this. Right. Mm-hmm. And they are for everyone to see and the the little area where the the war theme is displayed there is a a tall um lifelike sort of uh, figurine mm-hmm. made out of wood mm-hmm. and uh, she we call her the poppy woman okay. because she's holding a basket full of red index cards that have red poppies on them mm-hmm. and so the prompt there there are some poems about war and the prompt is to write something about your experience of war or an image of war that haunts you mm-hmm. on this poppy card mm-hmm. and then attach it to her dress. She's wearing a black dress. And so if you're not at wackypoemlife.com watching this, go over there and watching this, listening to this, mm-hmm. <laughs> go over there and you will see the picture of what I just described. Mm-hmm. And the red poppy is significant. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that okay, okay. too if, yes. if people aren't aware Certainly. of what that right. means. Mm-hmm. So we have a variety of things that are written on different cards. And as we've talked about before, what people write in here, sometimes it's the occasion for a poem. It's a nugget of an idea for a poem. It's an image from a poem. It's not necessarily a poem in itself, but they are things that bring us to poetry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, help us to deal with things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So do you want to read some of the things that are written in that area, Bill? I would love to, yes. Um, I'll, I'll preface it by... Which is what you said. And all of them were anonymous, too. I didn't see names on any of them. They were all anonymous, certainly. Uh, So uh, writing, I'll I'll preface it, writing prompt on war. Write something something about your experience of war or an image of war that haunts you. Some of our, our posts are, war is always down through the decades. It accomplishes nothing. The Holocaust. We have more privileges than we can ever know. War is raw, raw is war, forward or backward, death knocks at war's door. I was a soldier's wife for 25 years, married at 19 in 1997. February 21st, we were married. February 23rd, he went to Fort Drum. March, he was in Croatia. 2004, 2006 through 2008, 2011 was in the Middle East. He came back a different man every time. He was more and more abusive after each deployment. Three affairs, divorces in the works. I am a military widow. The man I married is gone. A monster inhabits his body. And it wasn't war with guns and bombs that shaped the landscape of my youth, but war of words that cut and slashed and covered me with wounds. I survived and learned to thrive and grew a shield of stone, but the battle rages on inside, a quiet, inside in quiet times alone. 
Vietnam War hell, losing a beloved brother in the stupidity of old greedy men, he could not live with the horrors in his mind. So these are pretty stark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stark statements. No sugarcoating. No, there's no sugar. No. Whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing also patriotic about any of these. Nothing patriotic because mm-hmm. I think uh, I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. I and, wonder. I mean, and you can look at war poetry in in a couple of different ways. There is war poetry, some of it very good, that is in a very patriotic vein. And uh, then much of it that is just describing the horrors of the war and the effect that it's had on people, the negative effect. And I know there's a lot of nuances in between, but, yeah. you know, the ones that people have decided to leave in here yeah. are the horrors. Mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes when when war is wrapped in patriotism from whatever country, I wonder if it's a, an attempt to um, rationalize or to... Um, to, to to somehow veil it as justified. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. And, and occasionally a war is justified. Well, and that's one of my questions. Yeah. Is war sometimes necessary? Well, I would say during war, the Holocaust, it was definitely ne- necessary. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it depends on the country. Yeah. Uh, for example, the current war between the Ukraine and Russia. Mm-hmm. For Russia, the war was not necessary. It was a war of aggression on their part. For Ukraine, had they not fought back, they would have lost a country. So war was necessary for for Ukraine. Yeah. It really, and so this is more nuanced than I thought Mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a, it's your, your impetus, you know, it's your uh, motivation for entering into war that, uh, that makes a difference. That makes... You know, I think one of the only light spots in bloody conflict and wars are the um, way people can deal with it and the way they can communicate and rationalize and some of the beauty that comes from the writings, the poetry, the songs mm-hmm. is some of the some of the greatest creation of, of humankind. Right. And on the other side of that, Bill, did you know this? Because I didn't. Um, that there. I doubt if I did. If you did, <laughs> <laughs> that, that there's a a thing on uh, TikTok apparently. Tic Tac. I call it Tic Tac. Tic Tac. Well, it's pretty dang tacky. Uh-oh. Where people are commenting on there about or and have been about the war in uh, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And their social media little snappy comments are just pretty horrible. Are they? Yeah. I don't understand how that – anyway. No, okay. a, f- a few of them I found were uh, first time dying, kind of nervous. Oh, my. That's like, you know, yeah, like a message from a Ukrainian. Yeah. First war, guys, what should I wear? These are actual memes and posts and videos. Uh, do you know who they're f- – are, are they from – are most of them from the Ukrainian – They're probably from stupid Americans. Who knows? <laughs> this is, And this is a really dark one. Smile for the history book picture. Isn't mm. that awful? Um, they were – these were collected by Instagram, um, an Instagram handle at with Ukraine, and it's posting live updates and videos from Ukraine and also, of course, expressing um, – real anger and anguish about these kinds of memes and, and TikTok videos. You know, yeah. um, I don't, 
it makes you wonder because um, that could so easily be the person uh, being hateful. You know, yeah. could, so it could be any. Yeah. any I anyone. didn't go over and look. I didn't want to look at them. So you know, that's all. <laughs> that's all I know. You well, know, you about know, it. But yeah, looking back on history, we had we had we had politicians in this nation who did not want to help with the German invasion mm-hmm. of Poland and so forth and the slaughter. We had we had, we actually had politicians who thought it was best not in our best interest and looked the other way. Thank goodness that they changed their mind today. We have politicians who think that Ukraine needs to just deal with it on their own. I find that horrific. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and be go out on the limb here and say <laughs> I find that offensive on every single level. Because yeah. um, it could so easily, you know, it it war is war is kind of borderless. It, it's kind of like a cancer. Mm-hmm. Once it conquers one nation, well, I'm I think this looks nice over here. Or this looks nice over here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or uh, you you know, give it a few years, give it a decade. You try to uh, hope that people kind of forget the horrors of it. And here, let's have another one. Mm-hmm. Our friend Yuri posts about sporadic electricity mm-hmm. and bombings. In Ukraine, that, he's in the Ukraine in, in Lviv, I believe. I hope, hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, and he, uh, dealing with it directly and uh, going through going through things we can only imagine. Uh, we don't want to imagine, but we can. Mm-hmm. So we have a little bit of a light into inside of, of to what he's going through. Uh, but I, you know, like I said, it could just, I hope he's listening and realizing that, you know, I hope we stay aware and alert mm-hmm. and awake. Yeah. And what you just said reminded me of a quote that I, that I copied down from Carl Jung, the, the great psychologist who said, Quote, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own souls. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's kind of what the poppy woman and the people who have written on the little cards here in the museum and that you just read to us, Mm -hmm. that's what they're doing, is they're making the darkness conscious conscious Mm -hmm. we don't want to talk about these things we Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about you know the woman who uh, talked about her husband who uh, disappeared basically the man i married is gone a monster inhabits his body i'm sure she does not like talking about that Mm -hmm. i'm sure she didn't want to go get a divorce no um and but she shared that Mm -hmm. here in the museum with people so they can understand this is one result of the effects of war. And I'm sure person. she did not want to endure the bruises and the battering. And yet she is as much of a victim, I suppose, as the people lost beside this man wherever he was uh, you know, deployed. Yeah. She is just as much of a victim of war as they are. Mm-hmm. It affects so many people. Yeah. And or the other poem that you read Vietnam, Vietnam War hell, loving a beloved brother in the stupidity of old greedy men. He could not live with the horrors in his mind. So he was lost to us. So he, it, it sounds like, committed suicide mm-hmm. because of his experience in Vietnam. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've avoided, I particularly have avoided talking about this theme mm-hmm. because this is, it's difficult, you mm-hmm. know. It's difficult to, yes. to expose that uh, consciousness, that darkness, but we have to. Yeah, you know, we do need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. We can't sweep it under the under the rug, under the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it is different than a lot of our podcasts, which tend to be light and wacky and, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so on. But I think that 
this falls in the vein of when people say, oh, cheer up. Oh, just don't think about it. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me think on these things. Let me yes. not be Let me not be cheerful occasionally. Yes. I don't want to smile today necessarily. Right. And, you know. And that's what poetry does, mm-hmm. I think, especially the best poetry. And what I try to achieve here in the museum that I started 11 years ago is to bring you present to the moment, to... It, it could be joy in that moment. It could be deep sadness. But feel what it is you feel mm-hmm. when you see something in the museum. Or maybe you're a person standing there before the poppy woman. You know nothing about war. I know very little mm-hmm. at all about war. Uh, but you're standing there and you're reading you know, some of these people's experiences. Can you just stand there in the moment and try and feel it? Mm-hmm. what the person experienced just be present to whatever it is and wow that's so difficult for us you know and those people who are posting those horrible memes on instagram or doing their little tiktok videos i just these are people who are not um comfortable with their own skins mm-hmm. and and standing in the moment and and feeling what other people feel there's no compassion right. in those kinds of things right Experience the human connection mm-hmm. because it comes back to like in this, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old fogey in this day and age. Sometimes <laughs> we I, be old we, fogies or nothing you know, wrong with we, it. Bill. Right. But I feel like sometimes we don't listen. Mm-mm. We're so anxious to talk about, but, but I'm on TikTok. Look at my video. Look at, look at how many likes I got. I'm on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Let's stop and stop and listen. Stop and, li- and, and, and experience someone else's uh, experience, mm-hmm. if you can. Mm-hmm. And there's a richness in that. Yeah, and there's fun. I mean, we are fun people. You fun. all have oh. listened to us. You know, <laughs> we love. We're fun. some of the funnest people you ever going to know. We love fun videos uh-huh. and you know, fun memes oh, and all that kind of oh, thing. Certainly. But my gosh, there's a time and a place. Mm-hmm. Now talk there about is, sounding old. There's a time and a place. <laughs> but there is, yeah. there is a time and a place for certain yeah. things. Well, you know, the light's always lighter, lightest when you have been know that there's a darker side to it well, you know and, and it makes it all the sweeter you yeah. know where there where there's sorrow there's sweetness all often on the other side right right yes. now that was something one of uh, america's greatest poets did uh learn and he did write about and he did have his own unique experiences with war and that was walt whitman mm-hmm. because he was um maybe he was not trained as a nurse but most of the people when they describe his experiences during the civil war they called him a nurse mm-hmm. because he tended to the wounded he uh he wrote about them in um one of his poems it was first called the dresser and then he later titled it the wound dresser And just one little part of it, he says, Thus in silence, in dreams projections, returning, resuming, I thread my way through the hospitals. The hurt and the wounded I pacify with soothing hand. I sit by the restless all the dark night. Some are so young. Some suffer so much. I recall the experience, sweet and sad. Many a soldier's loving arms about this neck have crossed and rested many a soldier's kiss dwells on these bearded lips you know that Whitman what a sweet poem you know so in other words he was hugging them as they as they as as they died yeah or just hugging them as you know because they needed it because they needed needed a hug yes they needed a friend yeah um there was a one particular i think i have it written down here one particular soldier 
who commented um, about Whitman. This was in um, 1863, Private John Holmes. He, he wrote about ministering to him, and, and Whitman said, I sat down by him without any fuss, talked a little, soon saw that it did him good, led him to talk a little himself, got him somewhat interested, wrote a letter for him to his folks in Massachusetts. And when Holmes told him he would like to buy some milk, Whitman gave him some change, and the young man burst into tears. Later, the soldier would tell Whitman that his visit had saved his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, nothing, nothing more noble. Nothing more. No, noble. and he was just trying to do what he could. He was mm-hmm. kind of an old man, forty-five at the time. Mm-hmm. Was kind of old. He couldn't, you know, join the war. Plus, I just can't see him. Mm-hmm. Whitman as a soldier, no, that just defies uh, logic. But he wanted to do what he could, mm-hmm. and uh, so he was very helpful to a lot of. A lot of yeah. soldiers in uh, in the hospitals. And I may have told you my father was a medic in World War mm-hmm, II mm-hmm. and drove an ambulance in Europe. And I, I'm sure he tended to a lot of wounded. But, Sean, the number of stories, the number of communications I have with my father about his experience over there can fit in a thimble. He wouldn't talk about he it. He would not talk yeah, about it. That's, I think that's you know, an experience of a lot of veterans. True. Yeah. And I, as, an old, as a man who no longer has him uh, around, I— Wish I would have sat down and said, Dad, please tell me. I know it's not comfortable. Would you tell me some of these mm-hmm. experiences if you can? Mm-hmm. Just let me he- hear about them because yeah. he valued education. He was good at healing things and working with animals and people when he's on the farm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he was very compassionate. But I would love mm-hmm. to have heard some of this. Yeah. These stories. Right. And mm-hmm. see, that's an experience. Like I said, I don't I really know nothing about war. And so that's an experience that I would not uh, be able to. To understand, I would not know if that is something that is really beneficial mm-hmm. for the veteran or not. True. I'd have to look into that mm-hmm. um, of of talking about it, or is it more helpful just to to keep it in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and and not look back on it? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, as I said, that quote from Hume, where I was talking about bringing you know the darkness to a conscious level. I think there, in in many ways. That definitely is something we need to do, mm-hmm. but probably not always. Yeah, I don't know. Not always. Yeah, I have I have a question that there's no answer for. Okay, <laughs> um, but it's it's it. I've always it, it's a societal situation. War is a man's game. Correct me if I'm wrong. War is a male gender game. War tends to be fought by males against males more often than not. It seems to be that. Women and children are drug along, caught underneath, caught between these conflicts. And I wonder why that might be, uh, other than it's a patriarchal earth society mostly. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's like you said, there's probably no good answer no for good that. Answer. But, no. you, yeah, patriarchal societies, I think it's biology. Uh, a lot of it is testosterone. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it's tradition. Mm-hmm. Um it's a survival, survival strategy of the from back survival in the days. Survival of the fittest. Who has yeah. the, whoever has the most wins. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, but it is something that, like a lot of traditions, are they they can be and should be changed over time mm-hmm. as as things change. You know. Yes. Emerson said, "A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds." So, um, when you keep doing something 
out of tradition or that it's always been this way, you get into trouble. You get into major trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You get a yeah. hobgoblin. Yeah. There's a, a PBS special, uh, and it's about what if people no longer existed. And in my mind, back when I was younger, I thought if humans no longer existed, suddenly we would have animals and plants and things kind of create recreate the balance on earth Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now that's not true because Mm -hmm. we have got nuclear warheads that if not tended to properly will decimate this earth yeah yeah. it's like seeds of death that we that are planted and that's another thing that i guess i have to worry about now with you know it's like we got to keep these things cool folks it's like my gosh these weapons of war are are, you know they've doomed everything i know Uh, it's deep i just got deep I'll, I'll, I'll stop that. <laughs> no, you reminded me, too, though, that stuff I was reading about Walt Whitman is actually from uh, an article on the PBS website from the American Experience okay. series. Okay. I, I meant oh, to nice. say that. And That's an excellent, yeah, excellent yeah, that was series. Yeah, that was one called Walt Whitman and Civil War. Mm-hmm. So I was just talking about his experiences and the, the poetry he wrote that came out of it. And speaking of that, mm-hmm. in the with the poppy woman in the little uh, area where you have the theme of war here in the museum, there are a couple of poems. One of them is probably one of the most famous poems ever written about war by Wilfred Owen, uh, a British poet and soldier from World War One. It's called Dulcea Decorum Est, and uh, I'd like to read oh, that yes, one. Oh, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Dulcea Decorum Est, Wilfred Owen. Bent double like old beggars under sacks, knock-kneed, coughing like hags, we cursed through sludge, till on the haunting flares we turned our backs and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep. Many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshod. All went lame, all blind. Drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of gas shells dropping softly behind. Gas! Gas! Quick, boys, an ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time. But someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime, dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea I saw him drowning. In all my dreams, before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face, like a devil sick of sin, if you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues, my friend... You would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory. The old lie. Dulceet decorum est pro patria mori. Mm. Absolutely. The poem makes me tear up. Well, absolutely. <laughs> the you Latin know. phrase at the end is from the Roman poet Horace, and it means it is sweating and it is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. Um, so he calls it the old lie. It, 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 lie, a lie, yeah. you know? And he did. Mm-hmm. He died for England. You, and like this line here, we have more privileges than we can ever know. Mm-hmm. Because every person, every man, woman uh, who perished in, in the hills of war had a childhood. 
Yeah. I think they had a, hopefully a, a more of a pleasant childhood. They were born, mm-hmm. had a childhood. This was their, I don't know if it's destiny, it just was circumstance mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. He wrote, uh, Owen wrote um, in 1917 about this marching that he's describing in the poem. Quote, the awful state of the roads, the enormous weight carried was too much for scores of men. Outfitted in hip-link rubber waders on January 8th, um, we waded through two and a half miles of trenches with a mean depth of two feet of water, end quote. By January 9th, he was housed in a hut where only 70 yards away a howitzer fired every minute, day, and night. And on January 12th occurred the march and the attack of poison gas that he describes in this poem. They marched three miles over shelled road and three more along a flooded trench. When those who got stuck in the heavy mud had to leave their waders as well as clothing and equipment, and they moved ahead on uh, bleeding and freezing feet. They were under machine gun fire, shelled by heavy explosives throughout the cold march, and were almost unconscious from fatigue when the poison gas attack occurred. As if that wasn't bad enough. Trudging yeah. through two two feet of water is like having cement boots on. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're lucky enough to have survived this. Which he didn't. Uh, which he did not. But if anyone might have been, who knows what, how long they would have lived, if at all, mm-hmm. with, with, with what they've endured, what the body, what the physical body has endured. Uh, yeah. Um, he composed most of his poems between August 1917 and September 1918, and then he was killed in action in November of 1918 uh, when he was 25, one week before the armistice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 25 years old. So, you know, he, but, but he lives on in his po- in, in what oh, he writes. Oh, yes. He, he lives wrote on. some wonderful, <laughs> wonderful uh, tragic poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from, from ashes come flowers, you know. Poppies. Poppies. Absolutely. Poppies. Mm -hmm. So the other poem in the exhibit area is by John McRae. It's called In Flanders Field. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from falling hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high, if ye break faith with us who die. We shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. It's lovely. Yeah. Just beautiful. I have heard that before. Yeah. It's been a while. That's in Belgium and is about the 1915 battle there. And uh, for 17 days, it was said McRae, who wrote this poem, he tended the injured in this battle. And the poem was written after the death of a, of a close friend. And it led to the adoption of the poppy as the flower of remembrance mm-hmm. for the dead. Mm-hmm. Just lovely. And yes. he, he lived on. He, wrote, he was a, a surgeon. He wrote medical textbooks and... His poetry was published, um, I don't know, after he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He died of pneumonia in um, 1918, so he was only he was only 45. Yeah. But uh, he was the first Canadian to be appointed a surgeon to the British Army. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. in Flanders Field. In Flanders Field. It's, for some reason, I think of that as being an Irish Flanders. 
that it's you said Belgium. Sounds kind of sounds yeah. kind of Irish. <laughs> Do you have any favorite war songs? And by that I mean you know pop, contemporary songs that have a oh you know I, just I, I've, I've the main a, one that I've pops a, into mine every time. I've written a few down. Okay. Is it, yours is probably War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely Nothing by, Say it again. by Bedwin Star. <laughs> Which somebody wrote back there on The Poppy Woman, too. Yes. And the, the Temptations were offered that song, and they, their producer said, oh, it's too controversial. It'll never do anything. Well, who it was, was, the, who was it, the person who recorded it? it? Um, that I believe The Temptations recorded that it was never really fully released. And I oh, okay. please don't quote me. Edwin Starr uh, recorded it, and it made a number. One. I just think of the Springsteen version. So, uh, Springsteen is oh, Springsteen is excellent, but you know there are some thong, songs you don't think of as being war songs. The, the night they laid old Dick, they laid old Dixie down is a war song. Mm-hmm. War, Zombie by the Cranberries, Fortunate Son by oh, Clarence yeah. Ke- Cre- Cre- um, uh, yeah. uh, Clearwater Revival, Orange Crush by REM, Give Peace a Chance by. Plastic Ono Band. Is Orange Crush about Agent Orange? Is um, that that's about. I don't I'll know have that. to revisit I don't know that. that. Song. Okay. Um, give peace a chance. How do, How does the grass grow? By David Bowie. Sudden, Sunday Bloody Sunday by U two. Oh yeah. yeah it's yeah. a mistake by Men at Work. Give me shelter by the Rolling Stones. Uh, Games without Frontiers by Peter Gabriel. And Traveling Soldier by the Chicks, which my niece just sings that and just cries. You Aww. know, my favorite is of all time is it's got the opening guitar rift and you'll know it immediately and it's about the conflict of country experiences because of war and it's called for what it's worth buffalo springfield so sh- why, why am i going to know the opening riff can you something can you do happening it? here oh Damn. what it is ain't, ain't exactly, exactly clear. clear there's a man, man with, with a, a gun, gun over, over telling me i got to beware now stop Hey, what's, what's that, that sound? sound? Everybody, Everybody look. look what's it's going just down. It, what it is. It's like stop. What's the title of that poem? For what it's worth. Song? For what it's worth. Okay. See, I didn't know that was the so, title. So what, what he's saying is, stop and look around. Stop it. Pay attention. Wake up. You yeah. Know? Yes. Be be aware this is, in the moment and this of was what's back, going on. This was back in you. the back in the Kent State when it's like okay, and these in these pristine college campuses, Four people are getting people Ohio. people are getting shot. Yeah. Stop. Look around. Mm-hmm. It's it's on their doorstep now. So that's really haunting. I just love that song. Yeah, that yeah. takes takes me back to that Hume quote that I said at the beginning of you know, make the darkness conscious. Make it conscious. Yeah. Look at it. Look at it, it become it becomes less dark, it becomes less powerful mm-hmm. when you look at it. And you know, I said that and we've said this before on here that a lot of the poems that people leave in here are occasions for poems and they're just little nuggets. They're not the actual poem itself. But you've got to start somewhere. Oh yes. And uh, I also wrote down this because um this made me think of the the purpose of a poem. It was something that a wonderful Oklahoma poet named Ken Hayda who lives in uh, Ada, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and he does the Scissor Tail Writing Festival oh, every year. Okay. That, that's wonderful. He posted on on um, on Facebook, and he's talking about workshopping your poetry and the fact that poetry is art and a craft. But it it also made me think about our theme. So this is a little quote he he put on there by uh, the very noted poet Stanley Kunitz is the one who actually said it. Poets learn from poets. One of the deficiencies of American life is the poverty of communication among artists. For young writers, a workshop provides a testing ground in the company of their peers. 
You can't give a would-be writer imagination or vision. But poetry is also a craft. And the miracle is that the exercise of craft can release hidden powers. The poem is the battleground between the conscious and the unconscious life. The poet must never surrender either, for if one or the other takes over, the tension is lost. The automatic imagination is a delusion and a bore. A poem is a sum of triumphs over unpredictable resistances. Triumphs. Yeah. Yes. And that's kind of how I feel about our topic today and the and the poems and the the occasions for poems that, that you wrote about is that here is the vision or here is the imagination and then attached to that, if you want to take it further, then you employ the craft. Mm-hmm. You employ mm-hmm. the craft of poetry and you need both of those as the, or as Kunit said, the tension is lost. And then the result, though, is a poem that triumphs over unpredictable resistance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, prevails. <laughs> prevails. Yeah. yeah, it prevails mm-hmm. when with between those conflicts that are our inner or outer worlds. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and uh, back to that a little bit. My uh, to, to my father, who was in some conflict over in Europe, came back was not the same. Yeah. But as we talked about on our last podcast, he still loved the things. Yes. He remember the flowers, remember mm-hmm. the birds, mm-hmm. and the lizards running everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so he experienced what he experienced, but he still never he didn't lose that preciousness of of of, of, of noticing what he loved, the little things. Mm-hmm. And I was pleased that 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 you that letter communicated to you, and you enjoyed it. My sister listened to it, and she really enjoyed the podcast. I enjoyed it. It made me cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You know, sometimes tears are healing, you know. Well, um, it's, you know, we have the ability and we should treasure the option of being able to feel what you feel in the moment mm -hmm. without there being shame or embarrassment or anything like that. And say that for the, say that for our guys listening. It's yes. okay. It's okay to yes. have feelings and emotions since being from one of the, from a guy who has been sensitive since I was born. <laughs> let me tell you, it's okay. Yeah, it's an asset. It's a it's a superpower actually. But that's so. partly probably the problem that we see in these things that people mm-hmm. wrote on the little poppy yes. cards mm-hmm. is that there were probably men that came back that didn't feel like that they could express right. Didn't have the support to express. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I hope we've gotten better about that. I, you know, about our support system for veterans. I, I don't really know. I, I, I hope I, we have gotten better. I hope we have too. I hope we realize that when we send our, the population to, to do these things, that we must support them in, on every level. But and, I also hope we are getting better about just not doing this. Not, not making the same mistake over and over. <laughs> not going to war. Yeah. Yes, in the first place. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Make love, not war. Make love, not war. You know, spread, you know, <laughs> can flowers out, you know. Where where are our songs today? I love the 60s uh, rise up and the folk folk mm-hmm. era yeah. of uh, peaceful protest yeah. in song and so forth. Thank you all so much for being with us on this unwacky, unwacky, uh, unwacky, unwacky. episode of WPL. And I'll, uh, I'll we will be back with the wacky next week. Next week we'll be wacky here. But this was this was important for us, and uh, uh, we hope that you've you've gotten sufficient 
And yeah, stuff and, and please, out of it. <laughs> please share anything that you would like to share about, you know, if you have a experience of a war or a family member who's experienced mm-hmm. war. Correct and, us on anything that, you know, we talk about that we yeah. definitely do not have our, you know, and information for, correct and for, on. <laughs> and also, I would like to say, please forgive us on our singing. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> I always want you to forgive. I'm going to keep singing. I am too. I always want I am too because forgiveness I'm a, on I, that. I, I think I'm a good singer, but I'm not, but I think I am. So. <laughs> well, thank you all very much. Yes. Uh, Donadagahi. Donadagahi.